Welcome to NeuroNoodle's Neurofeedback and Neuropsychology Podcast featuring tech legend Jay Gunkelman. He is the man who has read over a half a million brain scans. Our goal is to provide information and promote options for better mental health. The NeuroNoodle Podcast is supported by listeners and viewers just like you. A special thanks to our gold and silver supporters. Earn up to 16 CEU hours by attending Applied Neurosciences NeuroGuide Workshop December 10th and 11th in Madeira Beach, Florida. It's led by none other than Dr. Robert Thatcher himself. There are two ways you can attend online or in person with the link appliedneuroscience.com slash attend hyphen ng hyphen workshops. And if you sign up now, you can join Dr. Robert Thatcher at his house for a pre-course get-together December 9th. It's going to be a blast. What a better way to enjoy winter by being in Madeira Beach, Florida and earning up to 16 CEU hours. Sign up now at AppliedNeuroscience.com slash attend hyphen ng hyphen workshops. MindMedia.com. Get the latest EEG and neurofeedback technology from MindMedia.com. Their semi-dry sensor cap is a wonder to see and their EEG amplifiers have been trusted in the field for decades. Their neurofeedback and QEEG courses will get you up to speed in no time Visit MindMedia.com now. This show is brought to you by the letter... So, obviously, D. Obviously, we've got a whole bunch of Ds in the EEG. So, (laughs) (laughs) What's the first D that comes to mind, Mr. Gulkin? Well, obviously, uh, we've got a big broad band called Delta. The D for Delta ends up not being a single thing. It's a broad band that has a lot of things in it. The delta band has baseline sway artifact of various sorts in it, has electrodermal sway artifact in it from various uh, sweat sources, basically. Uh, it, it has infra-slow, infra-low frequency, slow cortical potential, slow sway in it, um, which happens whenever you hook up or or unhook a network, um, all the network dynamics uh, end up being reflected in the delta band. Uh, when you have a delta deficit in a database uh, determination, generally, that's a lack of neocortical dynamics. Instead of switching between networks, which requires the, the baseline EG rides on to go electronegative, to look something up, or electropositive to, to turn something off, that what rising and falling of the baseline is not a rhythm. It's a, it's a level that it can, can go up or down. And, it, and there are some things at the very low frequencies that are rhythmic. You have about a 10 second wave that happens that's due to oxygenation. Um, Uri Kropotov did some very good work on that oh, back in the seventies. So th- this is, you know, it's not new stuff. Delta also has rhythm in it, and the delta rhythm is actually large. It, you know, <laughs> uh, Barry Sturman will basically uh, uh, fall back on on uh, the delta rhythm seen during sleep, which 
in a sleep lab, they look for 75 microvolts of size in the delta band for it to be a rhythmic slow wave of slow wave sleep. So, um, you know, substantial voltage. A 75 microvolt delta is not a small wave. And when you've got slow wave sleep, they're ongoing. So they add up. The Fourier adds up the power across time. You get the magnitude, the integral average of the amplitude. Amplitude's a, a momentary measurement from the top to the bottom of a wave. We average that across time. That's the magnitude. So the magnitude of delta during slow wave sleep is gigantic. You can also have slow wave, uh, slow waves that are there because of damage. Uh, D is for delta. Sometimes it's for damage. White matter damage, specifically. Robert Thatcher in 1997, excuse me, 19, uh, yeah, 1997, published a nice paper uh, basically focusing on the fMRI, excuse me, the, the, the MRI and uh, uh, QEG correlation in head trauma. And alpha and beta frequencies corresponded with, with, uh, with gray matter changes, but the delta band ended up corresponding with white matter change. Now, Steriotti's um, paper from the 1990s, uh, early 1990s, which is basically a paper talking about the generators of EG rhythmicity. And it's an International Federation of Clinical Neurophysiology position paper on EG generators. And uh, in, in that, he, he basically talks uh, in depth about the mechanism of generation of, of delta. And if you decrease the white matter innervation to a cortical area, the cortex creates a sheet dipole. A dipole is the plus minus end of a, of a pyramidal cell, for instance, that's a dipole. But if, when, if you have an entire sheet of, of dipoles, uh, all of the pyramidal cells in a cortical area, when they all act together on mass, that's a sheet dipole. And the lack of an input to that to the cortex in that area will result in delta emerging from that sheet dipole. So uh, delta is in fact a rhythm that is there because of the lack of an input. Um, uh, it, it it could be a slow cortical potential, which, which is largely more metabolic. Um, uh, slow cortical potentials have the possibility of going electro-positive or electro-negative. I mean, it, it's not a, a wave. It, it, it can flip on or off, basically. And electro-negative is on. Electro-positive is off. Um, and... Uh, the, those those changes basically end up happening because of glia. So uh, uh, glia can use ATP, the, the burning of blood sugar and energy, the, the Krebs cycle basically, uh, to generate um, the electronegative uh, shift. And the electropositive shift is calcium waves. And the calcium waves were uh, discovered early on as they were looking for slow cortical potential uh, uh, using optogenetics. Um, 
But uh, uh, optogenetics are a research tool. They're not done with humans. You have to be uh, genetically altered so that your 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 cells will glow um, uh, uh, phosphorescently um, if they uh, they're they're active. So anyway, uh, the 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 D band, the delta band, ends up being full of other things than just the delta rhythm. Again, slow particle potentials at the very low frequency end, infra slow, infra low frequency. And that brings up the, the concept of nested rhythms. The, the infra low frequency or infra slow or slow particle potential are the low frequency nest that, that modulates all of the oscillatory EEG. When the baseline of the EEG goes electronegative and the, the cortex is on, all the faster uh, rhythmicity can oscillate. When it goes electropositive or off, then all of the modulating faster frequency just die, die away. So you can literally dial up or down the intensity of the oscillatory EEG by manipulating the low frequency infra slow infra low frequency EEG. So cross frequency coupling uh, nesting is a concept uh, that uh, uh, Delta has to have brought in because it's how the, the Delta band ends up interacting with the rest of the frequency bands and ends up being the base nest. You know, uh, when the infra low frequency uh, uh, changes, it changes all of the faster frequencies. The phase of the EG is reset with Delta. Uh, slow particle potentials. In 2005, uh, 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 Eroy John, uh, unfortunately, has passed, uh, published a paper showing that the slow particle potentials could phase reset the EEG rhythmicity within a millisecond. So you've got an ongoing theta wave, and it can start, re it can reset the beginning of that wave zero and restart the wave within a millisecond which is a convenient thing because in 2004 one year before the publication from Roy John um, it, there was a nice presentation by Clemish Wolfgang Clemish uh, out of Salzburg Austria in winter tour at the BFE meeting and it was a very nice uh, presentation and he suggested that if you phase reset the alpha and the theta rhythm and let them start at the same time and summated the wave, get the waveform that looks just like the event-related potential. It, and, and it was a European meeting. Uh, Gert Furcheller stood up very politely and said that it's an intriguing idea. The problem is there's no mechanism to phase reset. So, you know, it's, it's a good theory, but it can't work because there's no mechanism to do the phase, phase reset. But obviously, Roy John uh, demonstrated the mechanism uh, uh, basically a year later. Uh, but I have to say that the, the interaction between Furcheller and Clemish was collegial. Uh, this was not like a United States meeting where somebody stands up and yells, you're full of it. 
you know, or, you know, uh, uh, that's not true. Uh, you know, uh, you know, go, uh, go back to your lab, you know, whatever, you know, people yell at people, you know, but it, in the U S the meetings are energetic, but not necessarily nearly as civil. And I truly appreciated the, the, the cordial civil nature of the interaction. Uh, obviously a disagreement, uh, an intense disagreement. Uh, one person says, you know, look at this. And the other one says it can't happen, you know, uh, but, but there's, they're civil with one another. Uh, they've been colleagues together for decades and uh, they, they don't uh, uh, throw rocks and uh, they don't uh, break things. And um, they, uh, they, they're not a circular firing squad. Uh, the neuroscience in Europe moves forward in an organized step-by-step -step organic way and we kind of go herky-jerky uh, here in the U.S., uh, unfortunately, without quite the same level of civility. So although civility isn't a D, um, uh, it, it, it definitely uh, it ends up being uh, a part of the discussion uh, here because of the, uh, the, the, the use of the infraslow, infralow frequency to help uh, look at phase reset. Yeah. Uh, when the, when the techs are doing the the brain scan, and they do uh, x amount of minutes, eyes open, eyes closed. How does delta come into play with either? What are we looking for? Well, uh, uh, delta is going to be in any EEG at, at, uh, to some extent, and uh, obviously, if you've got a brief. 20 to 30 minute study, not an all night study or a 24 or 48 hour study, but it's just a brief 20, 30 minute study. You shouldn't be seeing slow wave sleep unless the person is really got a sleep disorder. That's horrid. Slow wave sleep just is not seen in a brief study. In fact, if you get a vertex sharp wave, which is a, a brief moment of the, the EG putting up a slow wave at the vertex, it's at the CZ location, it indicates that you're actually responding to a sound while you're asleep. Uh, that's a stage two biomarker. But it's not delta, it's just a single event. It's an event-related potential. Um, and it's, um, uh, you, you, you've heard something uh, like a, a knock, a K complex, a knock, gives you the vertex sharp wave, hopefully followed by a spindle, which makes it the full K complex. Uh, the knock is uh, the stimulus. The vertex wave is the response to the stimulus. And the sleep spindle is the brain attempting to remain stable and persist on the descent into sleep. So, um, you know, the uh, ver vertex waves are seen... Uh, in sleep, and uh, delta is seen in sleep, but if you're doing a routine 20 to 30 minute study and you see slow wave sleep, you've seen yourself a precipitous descent into sleep. There's probably a rather significant sleep disorder. You know, uh, in a sleep lab, they have an MSLT, multiple sleep latency test. 
and they'll they'll give you uh, five naps in the afternoon. Now, if you think of a sleep lab, they hook everything up. Oxygen sensors for your nose and mouth, body position, muscle tension of your tongue on a sub, some uh, 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 electrode on the base of, of your chin, uh, electrodes on your legs to measure muscle movement. Um, it, they hook up everything, including sound, because they want to know if you're snoring. And a camera quite often if you're in an in-house sleep lab because they want to be able to document uh, what they see. Sometimes there's a, uh, a person that has an automatism, a, a, a repetitive behavior that they do in their sleep that's actually triggered by seizures or darkness. But they, they hook everything up. But an MSLT screening, they only hook up the EEG. They're looking to see, do you fall asleep too fast? If you all sleep too fast, it means you're not sleeping well at night. So they give you five naps. On the average, if you fall asleep faster than 300 seconds, which is a five-minute mark, um, you, you've failed that segment. And they'll, you know, you get a 20-minute shot at a nap, and if you fall asleep faster than five minutes, you failed that segment. If you average faster than five minutes, there's something going on at night. I mean, you shouldn't be falling asleep that fast. And that then they have to invite you back and hook everything up, including sound. And at that point, uh, they'll, they'll figure out precisely what is the nature of the disturbance of your sleep at night. You know, there, there's some things that are um, uh, just, you know, poor sleep hygiene. And, you know, sleep hygiene, what's that, a shower before you go to bed or something, you know, it's a... Uh, no, sleep hygiene is when was the last time of your last meal? Uh, uh, did you wind down your behavior an hour and a half or so before bedtime? Uh, uh, is the timing of your sleep cycling appropriate? Um, uh, uh, are, are you using melatonin uh, to assist with your sleep cycle? And if so, are you using too much of it? Is the timing of your melatonin appropriate? Some people take it like just before they're going to bed. It should be more like an hour, hour and a half before bedtime. It's, it tricks your body into thinking the sun has set and uh, uh, you're, 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 uh, you should be ready for sleep. So it kind of triggers the onset of the whole sleep cycle. Uh, you know, but the, the, uh, the delta scene during sleep shouldn't normally be seen as a significant feature. The, the slow wave sleep is seen in, in a deeper state, uh, stage three, four. Uh, they used to differentiate stage three and four in a sleep lab. Stage three was between 20 and 50% of the time on a very long page um, on paper back then. Uh, if that percentage was hit, that was stage three. If it's above 50%, that's stage four. What they found is that it doesn't make a hill of beans a difference between stage three and four. It's all slow wave sleep. Um, it's when your body is releasing growth hormone from your pituitary, assuming you have one, and, uh, uh, and your body's throwing out the trash and it's being uh, collected. The, the, you know, what happens while you're sleeping at home, the garbage collectors are out there taking care of things. The, 
the sewage plant is busy taking care of all the waste from the day. I mean, all the things that happen out, out there are, are happening. Your body is recovering from the wear and tear of the day. And if you've had a good solid workout, the micro tears in your muscles, which are normal, healthy things that happen when you work out heavily on a muscle and it builds muscle mass because it heals. Well, if you're not putting out growth hormone, you're not healing uh, that that uh, slow wave sleep delta content during slow wave sleep isn't producing growth hormone enough. Or if you're missing your pituitary like some of us and you have to take your growth hormone exogenously through a needle, um, but you've got to have it. Uh, it. It is your restful recovery uh, during your sleep. So it, it has to happen. Uh, for for sleep to end up being restful recovery, and athletes who don't have sufficient slow wave sleep, that you're going to build up small muscle tears to the point where you end up with a muscle tear, not just little micro tears, but you're going to pull a muscle, and you're going to be out for a while until it heals, and uh, being able to to assist elite athletes because you know elite athletes are kind of a tightly wrapped a little uh, a, a little over wrapped sometimes um and you know a fine instrument um uh, but uh, not always really good at, at winding down they're they're quite often better at winding up than down and uh, going to sleep at night may be one of the difficulties that they have if you lay in bed and aren't falling asleep and you're ruminating or or yeah. Yeah, just laying there, not able to fall asleep, uh, the mechanism needs to be facilitated. You can train up sleep spindles so that every little stimulus, which is going to create a vertex wave, doesn't keep you awake, that the sleep spindle happens and it, it lets you drift further into stage two and fall asleep. Uh, so uh, training SMR to assist with sleep spindle production because they're the same thing helps with the quality of sleep, but your uh, elite athletes have a problem with insomnia. They have an excess of beta spindling, usually at CZ. And uh, with about 24 training sessions of SMR, they've been shown to end up having uh, uh, good outcomes, uh, better sleep uh, reports when you have just a little piece of paper to report how you're sleeping. Pittsburgh sleep inventory is a good one for that. Um, an actigraph watch, which is a, it's like a Fitbit for a sleep lab. Uh, they've been used for decades and, um, uh, uh, and also MSLT studies. So the, the, the Australian Institute for Sports actually looked at uh, the outcomes and they found that it helps so much that they instituted SMR training as a routine for any of their athletes that have any sleep issues. If you have a sleep onset issue, if you have difficulty falling asleep or staying asleep, um, they'll, they'll hook you up with a neurofeedback device and uh, give you 24 sessions of SMR training, and they find that to be sufficient. Now, uh, um, if you can imagine being an Australian elite athlete, where are you going to compete? You know, <laughs> you're going to be competing upside down and backwards on your circadian rhythm cycle somewhere 
So if you're not sleeping well at home, your sleep elsewhere is, what's the technical term? Screwed. You know, uh, uh, the, you're, if you can't sleep well in a routine environment, a new environment is going to be impossible. So if you're going for uh, an event that's uh, a week-long uh, series of events leading up to a championship or something, um, it, you're, you're going to be upside down in your circadian rhythm unless you actually have developed your elite athlete sleep cycling, which is going to be required for you to stay as an elite athlete. You won't be in that top 1%. You'd be in the top 2%. And the top 2% isn't the ones that are standing on the podium, you know, uh, with with the uh, gold medals. So um, it, 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 there's a very, very fine line between the best performers and the tier just under the best performers. Uh, you know, fractional bits of a second, uh, 10 one hundredths of a second difference between being on a podium and not being a name that anybody remembers at all from the event. So uh, elite athletes are elite, and uh, they, they have to end up learning how to control their sleep spindles and their slow-wave sleep, which is in the delta band, the big D for today. Earn up to 16 CEU hours by attending Applied Neuroscience's NeuroGuide Workshop December 10th and 11th in Madeira Beach, Florida. It's led by none other than Dr. Robert Thatcher himself. There are two ways you can attend, online or in person with the link appliedneuroscience.com slash attend hyphen ng hyphen workshops. And if you sign up now, you can join Dr. Robert Thatcher at his house for a pre-course get-together December 9th. It's going to be a blast. What a better way to enjoy winter by being in Madeira Beach, Florida and earning up to 16 CEU hours. Sign up now at AppliedNeuroscience.com slash attend hyphen NG hyphen workshops. Melatonin. My ears perked up because just between you and I, you and I here, uh, I take it at night. But what I'm hearing it's is... Very common. Uh, you, you got to take it an hour and a half or so before bedtime. Yeah. That's then how much is too much. It's because now they uh, make they're... gummy bears and they taste really <laughs> great. Mm-mm-mm. Gummy bears, you know, <laughs> um, you know, uh, uh <laughs> little sugar filled packets, uh, yep, that, yep, that yep. let you help you sleep. Hmm. Well, uh, um, uh, first of all, people have a tendency to say, well, you know, uh, five milligrams is just, just, just one little itty bitty gummy, and it tastes good. And you know, I'm I, I didn't really get a dessert tonight, so I'm gonna have like three of these little gummies. Pop, pop, pop. You know, um, 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 and they're gone. Um, they they do uh, at, at a higher level have what's called a hypnotic effect. Uh, they 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 give you a little bit of a uh, a little bit of a buzz. I mean, not much, uh, but enough to kind of be like a hypnotic sleeping aid. It gets you a little uh, groggy and uh, uh, helps you doze off some. The intention of it is to use a smaller dose earlier in the evening and to reset your body clock. 
So instead of eating four, you might drop down to one or two and uh, take them instead of 20 minutes before bedtime when you happen to think, oh, Jesus, bedtime, boom, you know, um, it, uh, plan ahead a little bit and, and let that wind your body down, preparing you uh, for, for sleep. I think the right thing to do is, with my uneducated uh, brain, is you just got to bite the bullet. And if you can't sleep and you stay up that whole night and then hopefully you'll go to sleep, you know, the next day. But it's like, I can't waste a day. I have to go to sleep because I have to perform the, the, the next day. I can't yeah. really imagine what the athletes do. And then some people turn to booze and that screws yeah. up your sleep cycle. Yeah. So what goes on there? Well, uh, people who drink to help fall asleep, fall asleep. But it's more like passing out than falling asleep. And the quality of their sleep is actually not good at that point. Uh, the, the, they have more awakenings, and the depth of their sleep is not as good. Um, it, it, uh, you know, uh, alcohol consumption for sleep, again, can make you pass out, but it doesn't give you quality sleep. And quite often you wake up with ischemic headache i mean the, the the pounding hangover headache of ischemia not a good thing you know uh repetitive ischemic headaches uh, end up uh, potentiating vascular change with aging so let, let's not uh let's not make ourselves old before our time i mean we all get that way anyway <laughs> so um <laughs> inexorably so but, what, um, but what's go, going on? I mean, it's, you're, you're sleeping, but you're not really sleeping because I've even seen it myself if I go out and then I'm like, I'm waking up middle of the night. I can't go back to sleep, you know, and that only happens after the same, a night out the, of town. The same, the same difficulty with falling asleep uh, ends up with wakefulness. You know, um, uh, let, let me uh, do some really crappy art. Uh, you, you have REM stage, you have awake, you have stage one, which is drowsiness, and you have stage two, which is the first sleep stage, and then you have slow wave sleep. And they, they stack them up like this, and then they draw, they, you start out awake, you don't start out dreaming with REM, you start out awake, and then you're going to drop to stage one for a while, but you might wake back up but you might drop back down to stage one. You might drop down to stage two. If you don't have a good sleep spindle, it'll wake you back up. Uh, but you, you might go back down to, to stage two. Eventually, at the first half of the night is when you're supposed to get most of your slow wave sleep, the first half of the night, the last half of the night, most of your REM sleep. So it, uh, you're, you're down to slow wave sleep, but it'll wake you back up if you don't have a good sleep spindle you'll pass right back through stage two and pop back awake and if you don't end up popping up into REM sleep all the way up into to getting REM sleep the second half of your night you're not actually dreaming well yeah what the hell if you don't dream you know some people don't remember their dreams you know big deal well it is a big deal Let's say you learned something today in school or at work or in a neurofeedback session. You learned something, anything, X, Y, Z, 
some factoid that you're going to have to remember tomorrow to have learned something today. Well, you, you need to create slow wave sleep grows new connections. So that's going to happen early in, in the night. But REM sleep, you play back memory through those new connections and long-term potentiate your memory. So if you learned XYZ today, you might only remember X of the XYZ tomorrow if you're not getting slow wave sleep to grow the connections that you're going to remember them with and REM sleep that's going to be required. Now, you can imagine putting a bunch of little tiny windows in, in these uh, that this is called sleep architecture. It looked kind of like a New York skyline, you know, uh, but this is called sleep architecture or the hypnogram. And um, uh, you have 90 minute cycles approximately. You have six or so of them in a, in a normal night's sleep. Um, the sleep lab will plot these out in the, in the sleep labs report. And you'll actually be able to see what stages you're in. And it might be that every time uh, you drop into slow wave sleep, uh, you quit breathing, in which case you could have like central apnea or uh, if you drop into stage two and obstruct, you could have obstructive apnea. So uh, breathing, uh, uh, respiration is going to be another trace and uh, it'll, it'll be in the hypnogram. There will be another trace for heart rate and blood oxygen and um, body position. Are you on your back? Well, every time you lay on your back, you obstruct. Well, don't lay on your back. You know, um, we used to tell people who had trouble with supine is laying on your back. If supine was your problem and only then we'd tell them to sew a tennis ball between the shoulder blades on a t-shirt and wear that at night. If you roll onto your back, you got this lump. You don't want to lay there, so you roll onto your side or onto your stomach. So um, nowadays, they actually have a commercial product. Somebody, you know, put together a T-shirt with a tennis ball equivalent in the middle of the back, and uh, uh, people will use that to keep themselves from laying on their back. Um, uh, so uh, uh, the the quality of sleep at night can end up being disturbed, and if you're consuming alcohol that ends up disturbing your sleep cycles, um, you're, you're not going to get the deep sleep and REM sleep uh, that you're that you're intending. Let's say you take a benzodiazepine uh, sleeping medication or uh, uh, any of the routine sleeping medications that are benzodiazepine-like, the hypnotics, um, a Sonata. If you take a routine sleeping medication uh, it actually reduces REM so if you have a benzodiazepine or a benzodiazepine like sleeping medication that's hypnotic you actually reduce the quality of REM sleep so it's disturbing to a certain extent how much memory you're going to end up inculcating as a long-term memory at night dreaming <laughs> where does that <laughs> That's a D. Where does that come into play? And what the hell is dreaming? Unresolved issues, uh, a fear and a wish. Uh, I've heard so many things. What What is dreaming and how does it help us well, recover? Well, if it's a REM, REM state dream, first of all, uh, how, how do they know uh, that, that 
a dream happens during REM. Um, remember Joe Camilla? Um, uh, unfortunately, he was passed. Joe started out in a sleep lab in Chicago. And uh, they were looking for biobehavioral markers. You know, what's a biobehavioral marker? Well, something, uh, something that you can measure that predicts a behavior. And they found that rapid eye movement corresponded with the state that if you woke somebody up, they would report a dream. Now, you can wake somebody up during slow wave sleep. Some people actually report cognitive function during pretty much any state that you wake them up in. But the probability of a dream being reported is really high during REM. It's really not during the rest of the sleep stages. You can wake somebody up in stage one. They might have been ruminating about something or thinking about something. That's not a dream. Um, and uh, uh, dr dreams have unconscious or pre-conscious material in them, uh, as well as uh, factoids and and material that you've picked up during the day. And they're all kind of put into that uh, uh, gigantic cocktail shaker and uh, shaken and stirred and dumped out into your dream. Um, you can have a, a wild mixture of dungeons and dragons mixed with um, spreadsheets that you looked at at work today, you know, and, uh, and, and God knows how that makes sense, you know, but, uh, uh, you have to play back your memories uh, in the newly formed connections that were seen during the slow wave sleep for you to end up having long-term potentiation of the memories. So whatever Dungeons and Dragons and spreadsheets did in your dream uh, ends up having some of the information during the day plugged into your memory in a way, into your brain in a, in a way that's long-term accessible. And Without that, you don't really have that accessibility. Let's say you're having real difficulty sleeping and you choose, you choose to, and let's say you're like a bazillionaire and uh, you're a rock star and you can hire these concierge doctors that will come in and hook you up for sleep. Well, Michael Jackson wasn't sleeping. He was unconscious at night. There's a difference. You know, unconscious at night, you you know, you don't have a recollection of the night. You feel like, well, yeah, that was sleep because I don't remember anything. But that wasn't sleep. That was propofol, unconscious sedation. A normal brain during sleep is busy metabolically. The delta band during slow wave sleep is not idle doing nothing. It's busy metabolically. REM, busy, like a wake state, basically. Um, so uh, normal sleep has brain function going on. Sedated, unconscious sleep, which I call Michael Jackson sleep, uh, which, which, you know, you see what it did for him. Um, it, not exactly a preferred method of uh, extending your life. Um, uh, having a doctor step out for a smoke or a phone call you should be watching your propofol level. Um, you know, you you can die doing that. Chase, it's, just, if it's, he was it's, still it was alive, a mistake in the first place. You know, if, if he if Michael Jackson were still alive, like would he be having memory problems eventually, or what? 
In fact, if you're not laying down memories, new memories, all you've got is your old memories. And, you know, um, psychiatrically, if you're not sleeping, you're, you're getting a little more loopy all the time. You're not sleeping. Uh, if you've ever watched, um, you know, uh, fraternities do scumming, uh, and uh, quite often keep people awake for multiple days as a way to break them down to build them up or some, some foolish, uh, you're, you're doing the same thing because you have to do it to, to get in and you're going to make them suffer. It, it's, it's not a wise thing. Scumming, people get hurt. Um, it, it's, you know, it, it, uh, hazing people uh, to make them qualified to get into a group. I mean, it's, there's still groups doing it. But you mean, Jay, like a doctor in the residency? Isn't oh, yeah, that the like a doctor thing? in the residency. So I, I want you to stay up for 48 hours and, and see how good a doctor you are. <laughs> you don't even know what up and down is at, at the end of the 48 hours, and you're making life and death decisions for patients. So, yeah, it, um, uh, lack of sleep progressively uh, degrades your mental function. If you watch somebody who's a bipolar disorder, they're manic. If you can keep them sleeping, they have bipolar disorder without the psychosis. If you if you can't maintain sleep for them, they go crazy. And two, three days, no sleep. There's Looney's, Looney Tunes. You know, uh, uh, Walter Lance could be drawing them. You know, so um, we we basically end up having sleep as a necessity uh, for our persistent daytime functioning. If our brains aren't doing what they're supposed to do during sleep, throwing out the trash, uh, 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 building new connections, playing back memories. So you have a long-term potentiated so you can learn something and know something. If that's not happening, um, you're, 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 your function is going to degrade and it'll degrade persistently. So um, we, we have trouble seeing normal subjects going through the entire 10 minutes with the eyes closed nowadays. Um, it used to be that the theta beta ratio was accurate, uh, identifying ADD from normal uh, 95 to 98% of the time. It's 50% accuracy at best at this point. And um, it, it, it's no longer an accurate determinator uh, because the quality of sleep isn't there anymore. Uh, the average kid sleeps two hours a night less than they did in 1999. And the theta-beta ratio has ceased to be predictive. Its effect size went from 1.8 to 0.2. And at 1.8 effect size, you can separate two curves, one from each other. So you can identify, oh, this is the normal curve. This is the ADD curve. And they're separate, so it's easy to see which one you're in. Uh, but when you're at a 0.2, they overlap so far, you can't tell which curve you're in. That you know the, 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 the outliers and the normal sit right up there with the people in the, in, in the ADD group. You're not able to differentiate them accurately at all. So again, 
50%. Save me the trouble of all the goop and the hair and the expense of the amplifier. Get me a nickel. I'll flip it and then we'll get to the same odds, you know. So uh, save all the time and trouble. You get you the same prediction. Delta, okay, uh, is a culprit in sleep. Does it pop up in any other quote-unquote symptoms that people have? Well, um, there are. There's frontal intermittent rhythmic delta activity. There's temporal intermittent rhythmic delta activity, TURDA. I don't make these words up. You know, uh, there's occipital intermittent rhythmic delta activity, OERDA. Uh, again, I don't make these words up. Uh, 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 so you, you can have problems in the brain that have big bursts intermittently of delta activity. If you're very, very young, most likely in the back of the head. Uh, temporal, uh, a little bit older. Uh, frontal is usually seen in adults, um, uh, but the temporal can be seen in adults as well and, and in some kids. Originally, uh, uh, FERDA was identified with a deep near midline lesion in the brain, upper brain stem thalamus level. Uh, but since then, it's also been seen in some diffuse encephalopathies, um, hypoxia, post-hypoxia, post-anoxia. And um, uh, so it doesn't have to be something on an MRI image where you look deep in the brain, you see, oh, there's that little sucker, you know, a little white dot down in the brain stem uh, that's causing this. Uh, sometimes there's no little white dot. Um, it, sometimes this was just hypoxia. So... Uh, um, and FERDA, TERDA, and OERDA are all delta problems, and they're all major medical problems. That They don't correspond with, oh, there's nothing wrong. Uh, they correspond with significant disturbed function. So um, you, well, what you are can the expect... symptoms? Like, what are these people, kids, parents, what are they feeling? Well, um, uh, uh, imagine having your frontal lobe hit with a gigantic set of delta waves that are uh, uh, 250, 300 microvolts in size. Um, let's say your perception, you know, a little bit before this big burst happened up in the front, you perceive something, some little thing, you know, five to 10 microvolt worth of perception that's being circulated through the brain process to figure out what it was and where it was and whether you have to respond to it or not. And, but that 300 to 500 microvolt wave hits, the little ship is lost. There, there, is, there is no cognitive tracking of that little factoid. So if you want Gilligan's Island consciousness, you know, um, uh, absolutely hijacked, uh, that three-hour tour turned, turned into a into something that just can't work. Um, you know, you have, uh, these big bursts of of delta end up being dramatically disturbed function, and they will cut a piece out of your conscious process just as badly as an absence type epilepsy will, where you have a three per second spike in wave, where everybody assumes, oh, that's a missing piece. Um, Little Johnny's got like five seconds missing out of his consciousness stream. Like he's spacing uh, out. Yeah. And at the end of the five seconds, little Johnny will start up on his conversation where he left off. Kind of like you just hit pause 
and then hit pause again and it, it freed them up and they keep, kept going. So there are times that people have these and they're not that aware of them. Others are aware that they're having little wink outs or um, kind of blur outs uh, where things aren't really kind of clicking. Uh, and they, they'll, they'll go in thinking something's not right. And if they, if they look at the EEG, uh, they may end up seeing it. Now, D is also for desynchronization. You know, uh, event-related synchronization, event-related desynchronization. And this is Gert Furcheller's work. Uh, Gert Furcheller uh, uh, ran the lab in, in Graz, Austria. And uh, ERS, ERD was, <laughs> if you want to see something from uh, 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 from from Furcheller, I've got a little something. So um, event-related synchronization, desynchronization, basically looks at EEG. And this is an EEG trace from Gert Furcheller at C3 as he's imagining cutting a bread with a bread knife. And this is how you spell Gert Furtscheller. And this is the EG pattern put onto a knife blade on a bread knife made out of vanadium and tungsten, 650 euro, but sometimes you just can't pass these deals up, you know? <laughs> so um, it's, it's not, every, not, everybody <laughs> has a not everybody has a collectible Gert Furtscheller. This is serial number one off of production. Um, uh, the uh, Gert Furtscheller students, um, uh, at GTEC, uh, Christoph Guger, uh, being the head of GTEC, uh, decided to, in his honor, uh, create a series of, of uh, these these knives, 200-year-old uh, olive tree handle and uh, tungsten vanadium blade. And this sucker is sharp. It will cut over, it, it'll cut bread. But if you if you tried to test it with your finger, you'd be cutting your finger. I mean, it's, 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 it's amazing. Oh, um, that's, so, that's worth it for that knife. So Gert Furtscheller uh, does ERS, ERD, and event-related desynchronization, event-related synchronization. And actually, uh, he's got a, a book that he wrote. Uh, well, a book that he was the editor of. Actually, Barry Sturman has a chapter in there about uh, post-reinforcement synchronization which is an event-related synchronization. After you're done with a task, your brain has a big burst of alpha. So you have a CPT task, go-no-go uh, -no -go type task where you have to respond. After you hit the button for a response, if you think you did it right, you get a big burst of alpha. And that's the brain saying, that's the brain's re you know, reward or relief, basically. So ERS, uh, ERD has an ERS in the book that was added in there because of work by Sturman. But event-related desynchronization is also uh, there. Uh, obviously, uh, when, you're, when you're cutting with a knife, when you're 
uh, holding still, the alpha happens, but when you're moving, the desynchronization happens. And Gert Furchheller uses uh, wavelet analysis to show the event-related synchronization, desynchronization. And um, at, 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 I think that's actually one of the better forms of analysis, actually, of the EEG. And um, uh, so uh, the, the letter D includes desynchronization. And, um, and, and, you know, uh, Gert Furtscheller doesn't start with a D or anything like that, but, um, uh, uh, you've, uh, you've, you've, you've seen the blade at, at least at this point, uh, for ERS. Jay, you, you've got your own alphabet, my friend. This show has been brought to you by the letter D. <laughs> yeah. Jay Galkman, thank you again for another hour of wonder. The Neuronatal Podcast is supported by listeners and viewers just like you. A special thanks to our gold and silver supporters. Earn up to 16 CEU hours by attending Applied Neurosciences NeuroGuide Workshop December 10th and 11th in Madeira Beach, Florida. It's led by none other than Dr. Robert Thatcher himself. There are two ways you can attend, online or in person with the link appliedneuroscience.com slash attend hyphen ng hyphen workshops. And if you sign up now, you can join Dr. Robert Thatcher at his house for a pre-course get-together December 9th. It's going to be a blast. What a better way to enjoy winter by being in Madeira Beach, Florida and earning up to 16 CEU hours. Sign up now at AppliedNeuroscience.com slash attend hyphen NG hyphen workshops. MindMedia.com. Get the latest EEG and neurofeedback technology from MindMedia.com. Their semi-dry sensor cap is a wonder to see, and their EEG amplifiers have been trusted in the field for decades. Their neurofeedback and QEEG courses will get you up to speed in no time. Visit MindMedia.com now.